In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. This is what the Bapt John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. When we consider the baptism of Jesus, in this case the words of St. Mark, one thing that comes out immediately, I think, is that God the Father really, really loves the Son. It's as if God the Father has been waiting to make this manifestation, to, to explicitly say, that this is my beloved Son, I am pleased with Him. In, in Mark's version here, it's God the Father speaking directly to Jesus, you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. In St. Matthew's version, which is, of course, more extensive with the words of St. John the Baptist himself, it's as if God is speaking to the people there. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And St. Matthew, again, he, he gives us the um, conversation between Jesus and John the Baptist. I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. We're still in Christmas time. I think it's, good to, it's interesting that this feast day today, the baptism of the Lord, ends Christmas time. And we, these words of St. John the Baptist are reminiscent of what Elizabeth said to Mary about 30 years earlier. How is it that the mother of my Lord could come, should come to me? Elizabeth, in her humility, is perplexed a bit by the arrival of Mary, which more importantly means the arrival of Jesus. Of course, John the Baptist leaps in the womb of Elizabeth when Mary arrives, because Jesus is there. Much like the baptism here of the Lord, St. John the Baptist says, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? 
But why? Why does Jesus get baptized? Well, theologians have given us reasons, and it's you know, good to ponder these reasons a bit of our Lord's baptism. And uh, one is that Jesus wants to unite himself to us. Perhaps even before going to the actual conversation with John the Baptist or Jesus going into the waters of the Jordan and coming up and seeing the dove, the Holy Spirit, descend upon him in the words of God the Father. But before that, just consider Jesus with the people in the Jordan. They'd flocked there. The people had gone there in their, need for re- their recognized need for repentance. And Jesus is with them, shoulder to shoulder with sinners. So that's one of the reasons theologians give for the baptism of the Lord. He, he unites himself to us. He joins us in our need. There's a certain solidarity that Jesus offers us. In fact, he will take on our sins. Indeed, Jesus, thank you. You are shoulder to shoulder with sinners. He became sin, St. Paul says, cursed. Of course, Jesus is like us in all things, except sin. He takes on our sins. And they're being in, in, in the Jordan with the people, shoulder to shoulder with sinners. He is showing his love, really. Also giving us an example, seek out repentance, be purified. Much like he gives us the example of prayer we see later on in his preaching, in his life. He sanctifies the waters. There's something holy, something transcendent happening here. When Jesus enters the waters of the Jordan, God is in a certain way, present in the waters of baptism. Of course, not like the Eucharist, like he's present body and blood, soul and divinity in the Eucharist, but the the waters are sanctified. It it recalls, it helps us to recall our own baptism. That uh, descent into death, death to sin. That's what we want. And of course, his divinity is manifested. In the water, he comes up out of the waters, and 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 we see this. Uh, in, in a certain way, the first explicit manifestation of the Trinity, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the words of the Father. It's as if the Father, God, the Father, has been waiting to to, to make this uh, the, the the statement, this proclamation of the love He has for the Son. He's pleased with the Son. He really, really loves the Son. He wants us to know that. The prophets have been speaking about this Savior to come. The prophet Isaiah, in today's reading, for example, of the baptism of the Lord, thus says the Lord, all you who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come, receive grain and eat. Come without paying, without cause. Drink wine and milk. The Lord is coming. There's a Savior. There's the one who will provide is, is on his way. Of course, Isaiah assuring the people. 
another text of Saint Isaiah, I'm sorry, the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, here is my servant whom, I'm uphold, whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I am pleased, upon whom I put my spirit. God the Father wants, says he was longing to manifest the second person of the Trinity as Savior. And of course, at the Annunciation, there's a certain resonance there in the words of, of the angel Gabriel to Mary. Of course, he speaks about the one to come. He will be the Savior of the nations. He'll take the throne of David, the house of Jacob. His kingdom will endure forever. And Mary gives us a certain almost uh, entrance into this love that God the Father has for the Son. Hail, full of grace. O highly favored one. Mary is perplexed. Be not afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God is well pleased with you. Because she is totally given to the ways of God. Just like, in a sense, she imitates Jesus, whose will is to, I'm sorry, whose food is to do the will of the Father. Well, Mary, that's Mary's life. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to thy word. And God is certainly well pleased with Mary. So in this Christmas time, these, these, these readings that we've been having, it leads up to this manifestation of God's love for the Son. And the Son brings us to the Father. We know that in Jesus' preaching, that's, that's really his goal. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we shall be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long, and yet you do not know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? It, it, that's the truth. That's what the apostles gradually come along to learn. Even here, this is the, these are words at the Last Supper. And this is a conversation before our Lord gives himself up to death. They're still, they're still learning. Well, let's learn ourselves. Let's praise God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This Love that God has, that the Father has for the Son, the Son for the Father, it, 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 it can't be contained. It, it, it spirates into a third person of the Trinity. We try to understand it as best we can in theological terms, but the Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son. It, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Indeed, this indwelling of the blessed Trinity in our souls. We should give thanks to God at all times and try to correspond to this love. Of course, we see the love of the Trinity, this, this, this relation of, of love among the three persons of the Trinity, it's outside of time. It's not like the Holy Spirit came along later on. Of course not. It's God is. God is love. And we're called to enter into that love, well, to receive that love and, and, and to live out that love. And that requires humility on our part, repentance. Why did those people go to the, the Jordan? They, they were honest with themselves. They needed, they needed forgiveness of sin. St. John the Baptist spoke with, uh, yes, with authority. You know, he has to tell them, no, I'm not the one. I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. So they go in their need for redemption. They go. They go to the Jordan. And Jesus is there. Jesus is with them, shoulder to shoulder with them in the Jordan. And he is manifested as, as the Son, the Son pleasing to the Father. St. Gregory Nassiansen has a Nassiansus has a wonderful sermon on this feast day. We have in the Liturgy of the Hours. Christ is bathed in light. Let us also be bathed in light. Christ is baptized. Let us also go down with him and rise with him. And here we go into the waters, into the tombs, a symbol of the tomb of Christ with the die, die to sin, and rise with them. That should give us a lot of confidence. Thank you, Lord, for your love. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Indeed, so that we might have life. And so we enter with the Lord in his own baptism, want to die to sin and, and rise. It's interesting, in the Lord's preaching and his dealing with people, his encounters with people, his forgiveness of sin, he, he, he tells people to go. After he heals them, of course there's physical healings that he, that, that he carries out, but symbolizing a certain spiritual healing that's needed. And he says, go, go after that, that paralytic is healed. Pick up your pallet and go. Those lepers are healed. Go and show yourself to the priest. That woman caught in adultery. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. We have to be on the move. Allowing the Lord to cure us, to, to purify us, to cleanse us from our sins requires a, a reaction on our part. Go, let's move. Dante puts Satan in hell, encased in ice, you know, not in fiery balls of you know, flames. He's, in ice. He's encased in ice. He can't move. We can move. We still have a chance. But humility. I think St. Augustine was at humility, humility, humility. 
We, we need the waters of the Jordan. We need to relive our baptismal reality, our promise. We need to begin and begin again. We just need to laugh at ourselves a bit. Chesterton says, why do the angels have wings? Why can the angels fly? Because they take themselves so lightly. We have to be a bit like the angels. The angels, those good angels, they recognize God is the Lord. The Trinity must be worshipped. And so we too, Lord, we want to worship you. And the only obstacle is pride, our ego, sin. Again, we see the lessons of, of Christmas time. Mary, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Elizabeth, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to visit me? St. John the Baptist himself, who is... St. Gregory continues his commentary here. The Baptist protests. Jesus insists. Then John says, I ought to be baptized by you. He is the lamp in the presence of the Son, the voice in the presence of the Word, the friend in the presence of the Bridegroom, the greatest of all born of women in the presence of the firstborn of all creation the one who leapt in his mother's womb in the presence of him who was adored in the womb, the forerunner and future forerunner in the presence of him who has already come and is to come again. I ought to be baptized by you. We should also add, and for you. For John is to be baptized in blood, washed clean like Peter, not only by the washing of his feet, John goes. John moves. After this encounter with Christ, John continues his work. I mean, Jesus goes away, and John, he points him out. Behold the, hand, behold the Lamb of God. He's, John continues to work, and he points out the truth about marriage, for example. He's on the move. John is working. He's proclaiming the truth, and he suffers for it. He's baptized in blood. And so we too, Lord, we want to move. Let's, let's not take ourselves too lightly. Let's be humble and, and not be encased in our icy pride, but go out, like Jesus says to those whom he cures. Go out, you know, go, sin no more. We can try to be like Mary and Joseph. As St. Josemaria points out in one of his letters, in Bethlehem, no one reserves anything for himself. There we hear nothing of my reputation, my time, my work, my ideas, my preferences, my money. There everything is placed at the service of God's marvelous adventure with humanity, the redemption. Everything is given to God because God loves us. God wants us to be saved. And Mary and Joseph are all in. And we, Lord, we, we need your help to be all in. Yes, and to love. God is love, St. John writes. And, and there is no, there's no fear in love. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God in him. And this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but 
Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. Indeed, there's a, a holy fear of the Lord, which is fear of sin, of offending the Lord. But not, not, not fear of God per se. We, there's no fear in love. Fear has to do with punishment. Our Lord forgives us. Go and sin no more. I do not condemn you. How blessed we are in our faith and in the mercy of God. Pope Francis is reminded that, adding those, those titles in the litany. Mother of mercy. Mother of hope. We pray to Mary. But let's, let's strive to, well, as, we, as St. Matthew says, to, our Lord says in St. Matthew's Gospel, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. We can all um, feel associated with those sinners in the Jordan River. They went there for reasons. Real things had happened in their lives to, to draw them there to the hope of repentance. And we too, we have real reasons to beg the Lord for forgiveness. We are sinners. Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. Of course, it's not a, it's not a quid pro quo with our Lord. We, we just have to beg for his mercy. But he does say, go, go and sin no more. Love your neighbor as yourself. Work hard. St. Josemaria, all his life was preaching, find God in your ordinary life. Understand this well, there's something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary situations. And it is up to each one of you to discover it. Indeed, in your ordinary life. Find God. And one of his points in the way, he writes, do you really want to be a saint? Carry out the little duty of each moment. Do what you ought and put yourself into what you're doing. A certain simplicity there, but practical. Do what you ought to be doing. That could be a good point of examination throughout the day. Am I doing what I should be doing right now? Is this what God wants of me right now? Is this the will of God? Could God look down upon me and say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased? Carry out the little duty of each moment. Do what you ought and put yourself into what you're doing, avoiding distractions, sanctifying our work. Avoiding fear, really trusting in the Lord, not taking ourselves too seriously. As C.S. Lewis in his essay on living in the atomic age, he gives us some insight here on how to try to live day by day. This is, he wrote in, in 1948, in one way we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you, ha as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age, when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you already are already living in an age of cancer, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. 
Believe me, dear sir or madame, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. And then C.S. Lewis gets to the practical point, we could say. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, well, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. A lot of wisdom there. Live today. Do what you ought. Be in what you're doing. There is no fear in love. Go, Jesus. I, I, I love you. I do not condemn you. I cure you. Go. Go out. Spread the good news. There's something there. There's something holy, something divine, hidden in those most ordinary situations. St. Josemir also said, we discover the invisible God in the most visible and material things. There is no other way. Either we learn to find our Lord in ordinary, everyday life, or else we shall never find him. Indeed, Lord, we'll try. We'll try to produce good fruit as evidence of our repentance. Above all, loving God and loving our neighbor. That's in the end, as St. John of the Cross said, in the end we will be judged on our love. Oh, we, we, we do well to look upon, to consider, to ponder the love that God the Father has for the Son. In a way, that's what Mary did. Mary's life was pondering. She was pondering love. She was pondering God. And she went out. She lived her life. She served God. She served her neighbor. She suffered her own baptism in a certain sense. They're manifested in a, in a very, very deep way at the foot of the cross. Well, let's go to our Blessed Mother and ask her to help us to, to fly. <laughs> you know, let's not take ourselves you know, too seriously. Let's, let's take ourselves lightly and, and be willing to Yes, to go out and to work and to fly in order to give glory to God. Is that, it, that's all that's going to matter. When, whatever a type of atomic bomb hits us, whenever death comes our way, we'll be ready if we're striving day by day to do the will of the Lord, to be pleasing to our Father God. Jesus Christ will help us. He is truly the way, the truth, and the life.
I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father-in-Law, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.